Today, we have an opportunity to step into a new series. To be blessed by God is one of the most misunderstood ideas that permeates from God's word. There's a perspective, though, that will unlock what it means to walk in the blessed life for you individually. Last year at this time, after nearly three years of running at least one mile every single day, right at this time a year ago, I got COVID and I had to stop running. For 12 days, I didn't run even a step. I, I think I, according, according to my family, I barely walked a step in those 12 days. But on the 14th of January last year, I started running again. And when I did, I found that I had lost a lot of fitness, more than I would have ever expected in taking a 12-day break. And I had uh, maybe lost some of the, the excitement of what it means because this three-year streak was approaching 1,000 days, and then I didn't have that anymore. And it was just it, it was def- deflating for me. And so I thought, how can I re-energize? How can I get excited again about something that had been so important to my life for so long? And so I thought, well, what if I set a big goal? You see, I have run 5Ks. I've done 10Ks. I've run a five-mile race. I've run a 10-mile race. I've, I've done half marathons, and I've done marathons, but I've never, ever in my life run anything more than a marathon. And so because there was a milestone in my age coming up, I thought maybe I would pursue a distance that matches the age that I was approaching as. So I thought I'd run a 25K. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but I put all, to, all the facts together. I figured out some timing, and I, I, I figured out that, you know, because of the fitness that I had lost and because I wasn't sure how quick it was going to come back and all those kind of things, that I would set my sights on an October date when I would run a 50K. 50K is 31 miles, um, and, uh, and it would take me beyond that marathon point of 26. And so I thought, oh, here we go. And so I started to train, and, and the fitness didn't come back quite as quickly as I had hoped. Five miles felt pretty incredibly challenging right at the start in January. But it was amazing as the 10-mile weeks turned into 20-mile weeks, and as the 20-mile weeks went to 30 and 30 to 40, and finally I was training over 50 miles a week. My, my long run, which I tried to do every week, graduated from that five miles of difficulty to um, even before September hit, I was running over 20 miles in, in one stretch and feeling like good about it, which was, which was the first time for that for me. And so when it came time to register for that race at the end of October of last year, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should just, maybe I'll just do the 50 mile. You know, how much harder can it be, right? You know, but then reason set in and I thought, you know, I had been planning and preparing for a 50K and so a 50K is what I would do. And so that is what I registered for. And so on the 22nd of October, I lined up with a couple dozen of my uh, closest best friends, uh, no, uh, people I didn't know, all with that same goal of running a 50K on that particular day. Now, I want to tell you, so the, the course was beautiful. It's down, it's down in Murphy Hanrahan Park in Savage, Minnesota, um, and, and it's a beautiful park. Um, on the website, it was described, and I want to read this for you because I think it's really important uh, for you. It was described on their website as a mixture of rolling hills, wooded trails, prairie, 
and even a beaver dam. How very Minnesotan is what it says on the website. It has a difficulty rating of three and a terrain rating of three. Okay, so that was the description of the race. Now, three, I had no idea what three is, what that means. You know, I, I assumed that was out of 10, and three is low on that scale, right? So it was going to be a piece of cake, right? Well, as it turns out, um, the first six miles as I, that race started, the first six miles were the hilliest, most challenging, steepest sloped, closest packed together hills that I had ever been a, hard, been a part of in my life. In fact, it transformed my understanding of that scale that that three fell in. That three was the scale that that fell in. It was incredibly, incredibly challenging. I should have had my first clue when people who looked that they were competitively, competitively competing for the win of the race were walking up the hills beside me. It should have been a clue, right? But I didn't train to walk the ups, and so I ran the ups. And I kept it up for all those six miles, and I got done with that, and I was like, oh my goodness. But I still felt okay. And so I finished that first loop of of that race. There's 10 additional miles after that first six. And the, t- the remaining 10 were a lot more uh, representative of the three that I was expecting, a lot more res- representative of rolling hills and gentle prairies. You know, it was just, it was much more of that. And so I got back to that starting line where my wife was waiting for me and my boys, and, and I, I reloaded with my snacks. I reloaded my, my backpack full of water and sports drink, and, and I was ready for a second lap of the course. And then I started on those same six miles that I had started the race with, the hilliest, most challenging, the most difficult running that I had done. And at first, I, I started to, uh, to run. I pushed pretty hard. I walked a little bit. I stopped quite a bit. I started up again sometimes. But there was some point in those six miles, mind you, I'd already run 16 and then the six miles that followed, but sometime in that space, my legs stopped working. I mean, I felt sore, but I didn't feel injured, but it was becoming more and more difficult to lift my feet off the ground especially as I was going up those hills, the steepness of those hills. Hills so steep that you could actually reach out and touch the hill as you were climbing up it. That's, you know, that's steep hills. And, and it was particularly bad in my, my right hamstring and, and my lower calf area. And so I started to go up the hills sideways. So I would lead with my left leg, and I would go up the hill sideways, making great, it's a great pace, just let me tell you. It's really encouraging. But eventually, after doing that for a few miles and 20-plus hills, I was finding that it was even my left leg was not really being able to lift off the ground. And, and so I just basically hobbled into the aid station after that six miles of the second loop. And there was my wife, Kim, and my two boys, and they were sitting on a rock, just waiting for me to come in and cheer me on for the remaining 10 miles of the race that I was going to have. Except I wasn't going to have 10 more miles of that race. 
because I couldn't lift my feet. I was done. And I did something that I never thought I would. I stopped and I stepped off the course in that race. I, I did something called a DNF. If you've ever done any of these, it's a did not finish and, uh, and just stepped off. You know, if there was a way to fail something, I failed it about as good as you could, right? If my only look at success was the completion of that run, then I failed miserably. In fact, I failed so miserably that I had nine, almost 10 miles left in the run when I stepped off. I pushed as hard as I could, but I failed. And it was particularly disheartening because of how much the preparation for that day had cost me. You see, for over nine months, I had run every day. I had taken the time away from my family. I had stepped out. I had invested in, in countless pairs of tennis shoes to, to get my training going, all the equipment necessary. I had, I had put so much effort into it. If my only look at success in that race was the completion of it, I completely, completely failed. I didn't finish the race. And it took me a few weeks, really, of wallowing in that kind of messiness that comes when you try really hard at something and it doesn't go your way. But I found another perspective. I discovered a few things, and I learned a few things. The first thing I discovered is that I have a limit that very few people have found. You see, I pushed as hard as I could. I went to harder places than I had ever experienced before. I moved my body for almost five hours until I could no longer lift my feet off the ground. I feel like that's something that I discovered about myself, right? I also learned. I learned that I could push my body farther and harder than I ever expected I could. I learned that, that there is a second wind and a third wind, and sometimes there's even a fourth wind as you keep pressing on. I also learned that to finish a race like that, I needed a different strategy. And I learned that with some tweaks to my training and a new respect for that course, that it's a race that I will complete. You see, the circumstances of that day did not live up to my expectations for success. But I know now that there is a different way to look at a day like that. There is a new perspective. A perspective that's filled with discoveries, that's filled with learning, and yes, might I dare say, even success, a new perspective. And so when I started to tell people about my experience, because I couldn't hide the limp when I came back to church that very next day, I started to hear other people's stories of their circumstances or their situations where their successes weren't measured in completion, but their successes were measured in perspective as well. And this story, and the story that it tells for all of us, for many, it is a spiritual story. You see, it can be this story of discovering a blessed life. 
Because what happens when the circumstances of life don't meet your desires, your expectations, your goals? Are you still blessed when you don't get what you want? This concept of blessed is so filled with misunderstanding and judgment that there's an entire meme catalog filled with jokes that are labeled hashtag blessed, right? Oh, Starbucks messed up my drink order and they gave me both drinks for free. Hashtag blessed, right? Look at my beautiful Corvette. Hashtag blessed, right? You see, it's these situations, these circumstances that both reveal and, and, and press forward a narrative that is entirely untrue. And, we, and when we consider the blessings that the Bible teaches, the blessings of who God is. But I believe that this Bible, this one right here, and the one that you have as well, paints a picture of God's blessing that, when examined, unlocks a perspective that gives us access to live a blessed life. A blessed life that's independent from our circumstances, whether challenging or filled with happiness. In the Bible, there are several words that are translated to a form of bless. Blessings can be passed from one person to another. Patriarchal blessings can go from father to firstborn son, or blessings from one family or community to another. Two blessings can come from God. But one thing I love is that when we worship, we bless God. That's revealed in his truth and in God's word. The concept of blessing is carried from the very earliest chapters of Genesis at the beginning of God's word and all the way into Revelation, which is not yet come in God's word. And while there are nuances and, and different applications of blessing, there is but one source of blessing, and that is God. And so as we look at what it means to be blessed by God, there are two categories that result, two characteristics that result when considering this blessed definition that we're, we're looking at from the Bible. The first is that to be blessed is to be happy and content. And the second is to be empowered for purpose. You see, the Bible is filled with descriptions of what blessed looks like walking on the earth. Blessed people, especially throughout the poetry of the Psalms or, or the wisdom of Solomon, Solomon in Proverbs. There are descriptions of the blessed man or the blessed person, and each carries that idea that to be blessed is to be happy and content. But there is another thread of blessing in the Bible. And this thread of blessing in the Bible carries a, a description an image of the source of all blessing, and that is God. And it starts in that very first chapter in the Bible, in, in creation account in Genesis. So God created man on the sixth day in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. God blessed them and said to them. See, right there in that story of creation lives God's foundational blessing of mankind. And then just two chapters later, just one flip of the page in my Bible, and it, God reveals sin and how it is sin that distorts and perverts mankind's ability to experience his blessing. 
As a reminder, Eve is tempted by the serpent. She eats fruit of the tree. Gives this fruit to Adam, and now they both have stepped into the knowing disobedience of sin. And from this sin is born the curses of God, antithetical to blessing curses. First to the serpent, then to Eve, and then finally to Adam. God says this, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And immediately after that, the most significant implication of the curse is that Adam and Eve, God's created, are driven out from the garden and driven away from the presence of God. And as you trace this idea through the rest of the Old Testament, you see a people of God chasing after Sometimes fervently, sometimes not so much, but chasing after the blessing of God. And then again and again, what they find is, is a shadow or a glimpse or just a temporary experience of that blessing, but never the true blessing that they seek. Because the fullness of the blessed life is only revealed in the presence of God. Adam and Eve lived a blessed life before sin and a cursed life apart from God. But theirs is not the end of the story. It doesn't stop here. The prophet Jeremiah, as he spoke to the people of God in tragic captivity, gave a glimpse of God's people to God's people and for all people through the word of God to a future hope. In Jeremiah 29, it says that he said that God is saying, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then one verse after that in verse 13, uh, he says this, you will seek me, you'll seek God, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You see, the future hope is found in the wholehearted seeking and finding of God's presence. The blessed life is found in the presence of God. And it was Isaiah before this who gave that hope that Jeremiah was, was teaching, who gave that hope a name, a verse that we, we say often around Christmas time, this words of Isaiah, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A word Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was Isaiah who gave that hope a name. The future hope found in the wholehearted seeking and finding will be Jesus. And Jesus is the true, the true presence of God. The return of that true presence of God for man, because he is Emmanuel, God with us. God made a way to a blessed life in Jesus, and then Jesus passed that same blessing on to all of us. The gospel writer John describes Jesus' words this way. But I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor, 
the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then, and then the Apostle John unpacks it even further when he talks about, the, in his letter to the Corinthians, he talks about that this Holy Spirit that comes after Jesus, that that Holy Spirit dwells or lives inside of us. Just like that baptism today. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. To be blessed is to experience the full presence of God. Like Adam and Eve before sin, walking in the garden with with God. Like the disciples in the physical presence of Jesus, living in real time with God, with Jesus as he walked the earth. We too live a blessed life. Out of the presence of God and the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The clearest picture I know of this blessed life comes in the form of a blessing that was passed from Moses, from God to Moses, and from Moses to Aaron. This is in Numbers, the book of Numbers in your Bible, the beginning, the part that nobody reads. The, this this pass and lineage of, of this blessing is given to Aaron so that he could, through his sons and himself, that he could bless all the people of God, all of the Israelites. This is how you are to bless my people, is what God is telling him. In number six is where we find it. And it says these words, which might even seem familiar to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Every word of this blessing given by God through Moses and Aaron and his sons for all of God's people, this every phrase, every word, every line, every concept is rooted in the presence of God. The Lord bless you and keep you, the very first part of that blessing, is a reflection that God protects you To be kept by God is to fall under God's protection, protection found in the presence of God. To be blessed is to live in the shelter found in the presence of God. That second phrase, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. I love this one. God sees you. Like a child looking out from a performance and finding the loving eyes of a parent, our identity is revealed when we know and are seen by God. You are seen by God in his presence. To be blessed is to be seen in the presence of God. And then that next line, and be gracious to you. God extends grace to you. You do not get what you deserve. Instead, in the presence of God, you get the full love of the Father. To be blessed is to know the grace of God's presence. And then that next line, the Lord lift his countenance upon you. God gives access to you. That word countenance might be unfamiliar in other translations. It says that God turns his face to you. Not sees you, but orients to you. Some might say that God hears you in this. God's 
But the idea here is that God's blessing is that you have access to the Father. You are heard in the presence of God. To be blessed is to have access in God's presence. And finally, that last phrase, and give you peace. God settles you. There's no greater indicator to living in the fullness of God's blessing than to experience the settledness of knowing that you are in the place that you should be, the exact place that God wants you to be, and that is in the presence of God. To be, set, to be blessed is to be settled in God's presence. And let's kind of drill down on that with one question for you that you, can, that you can participate in and interact with in this. Where is your peace meter at today? When you quiet your mind and you, and you, you, you slow down for just a moment... When you, when you give yourself an honest assessment, how is your peace today? If you were to assign a value to that peace, not on the three-point scale of the race, but on a true 10-point scale, one through 10, with one representing utter chaos in your life and 10 representing the perfect peace and knowing that you're firmly entrenched in the presence of God, what number would you assign to your personal peace meter? For those of you online, for those of you in this room, I want to just give you just a moment to consider that. Where is your peace meter? What number, one through 10, would you assign to that idea of your peace meter today? As that number kind of bubbled to the surface. Has that number happened for you? Were you surprised at where you're at? Do you want to see that number grow, get higher? Or maybe you're in a place where you just wish that you had a number on that scale, that the chaos is beyond what anyone would measure on the other end. If that's you, I want to invites you into a step that you can take to engage with this Holy Spirit that gives peace. At Redeemer, we call it saying yes to Jesus. And I want to invite you to do that right now. When you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to the Holy Spirit in your life. When you say yes to Jesus, you say, I want more of that goodness and blessing and hope that is Jesus in my life. And so if that's you today, I want to invite all of you, in fact, to pray these words aloud with me. You can repeat each phrase after me. Heavenly Father, sorry that I have sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Today I say yes to following you. Amen.
if you would just for a moment keep your heads your eyes closed and your heads bowed um, if you said yes for the first time or if you said yes to more of God's blessing and the Holy Spirit in your life if you would just raise your hand Thank you. You can open your eyes again. If you raised your hand, if you said yes, whether it was for the first time or if you were saying yes to receiving more of God's blessings in your life and the Holy Spirit in your life, I want to invite you to, I want to celebrate alongside of you, first of all, but I also want to invite you to this place over here on this wall in the room or online. There's a a part of our website that you can go to um, where you can pray with somebody where you can celebrate with somebody, where they can tell you about those next steps. If you're online, those next steps can be found at redeemermn.org slash next steps. And please do take that next step so that the decision, the, the, the commitment, the, the engagement that you make today um, can be maintained and can grow. And we can know the blessings of God as we grow in this. Because you see, seeking after circumstances that perfectly match our wants and desires that will always end in disappointment. But the blessed life realized in the presence of God yields protection, identity when we are seen, grace, access, and peace. Now, each of you should have received on your chair as you walked in, there should have been a card on that chair. And there's this verse that we've been talking to out of Numbers. And I invite you to put this card in a prominent place, someplace that you see every day, whether it's on your bathroom mirror or in your Bible or or somewhere in your car as you drive, but don't read it as you drive, but but somewhere where you see it every day. And 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 I challenge you, I encourage you to pray this prayer over yourself every day. Read this blessing out loud in your mind, in your heart. Read this blessing over yourself every day. For seven days of a week, for the, inter- the endurance of, of the series on blessed, whatever it is, I want to invite you to pronounce this blessing over yourself daily. And as you say those words, my prayer is that you would experience a blessed life that is rooted in God's protection, in God's identity, God's grace and access to God and that it would be filled with his peace. Can I pray for you? Lord, we thank you that you give us the incredible blessings and that when we have our our perspective transformed by you, that we can step into blessings that aren't rooted in circumstances but are found perfectly in your presence. And so, Lord, transition, change, change our hearts so that we might experience the fullness of your blessing today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's saints said, amen. One last thing. I want to invite you to stand. And for the first time in this exercise, I want to pray this blessing over each of you. And as you hear these words, as you might fixate on one particular part of this blessing, I just want you to receive that, not as a blessing that I'm saying in front of you, but as a blessing that God intended for all of his people 
and specifically for you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.